Keyboard Kimura AV Network is presented by OneBone. Fall is here, and OneBone has you covered when it comes to looking fresh as the temperatures start to cool. From numerous short sleeve styles and cuts, to long sleeve selections, hoodie options, the Essential Bomber, and the Trench Hoodie, OneBone has styles, colors, and sizes to meet all your needs this fall. As a supporter of the Keyboard Kimura AV Network, use promo code ESK10 at checkout. That's my initials, ESK, and the number 10 for 10% off your order. Based in Montreal, everything is Canadian made, but ships all over the world. So check out the website, onebone.com, or download the app and join the OneBone family today. OneBone, big and all. your friendly neighborhood Spencer man keyboard Kimura podcast a little later in the day than I normally do this uh rocking the new setup rocking the new computer the new mic the new everything so hopefully this sounds even better than the last ones have shout out to the fine people at Long and McQuaid for hooking me up shouts to the people at Apple for the lovely new computer shouts to my wife for letting me take over two rooms to build things and and work from home like this um little later in the day, as I said, than I normally would do this. I had some errands to run this morning. I had some interviews to line up and to do and some work to get through. But I also was putting in the work trying to uh, fulfill one of Harry's requests. So if you listened to the next day takeaways that myself and Harry did on Sunday, coming out of UFC Vegas 61, we talked about, and, and previously we, we often talk about sort of how we would match make some of these divisions and some of the struggles that are are happening in these divisions right now. And so I messaged him this morning and said, I think I'm going to take a rip at, at figuring out straw weight going off of Jan Jonan's win over Mackenzie Dern. And he messaged back with one word and that word was middleweight. And I said, it's really tough. And he said, that's why I wanted to do it. So because I'm a sucker and because I like building spreadsheets and because I like trying to accomplish these things, I spent a good part of my morning trying to figure out sort of the next steps. If I was playing Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, Dana White, how I would map out the middleweight division. And before I started recording this, as I, as I got set up here, I messaged Harry and I was like, I just, I actually can't do it. It's, it's sort of impossible to do right now because of the state of the division. And he said, well, that's your podcast. And so here we are. Sort of going to go through sort of both sides of that. We're going to try to match make it a little bit. And we're going to do it a little bit on the fly here as we go. But I'm also just going to walk you through some of some of the challenges, some of what's happening right now in the division. I have it up beside me on my screen here, which is why you see me glancing sideways regularly um, and, and not making better eye contact with you, fine viewers. The challenge is something that we talked about uh, a few weeks back when Robert Whitaker fought Marvin Vittori. And that is that there's just too many of those types of fights, right? Too many fights. I called them go nowhere fights, do nothing fights where Rob Whitaker goes out and gets a good win over Marvin Vittori. It is a meaningful win. It is a good victory, but it doesn't move Robert Whitaker anywhere. It leaves Marvin Vittori. He doesn't really lose ground because he lost to the second best fighter in the division. And so he's still 
very much a top 10 fighter in the division, a top five fighter in the division for that matter. But we don't really have any room to move some of these, some of these athletes and sort of trying to figure out what comes next for these men is, is exceedingly difficult. So at the top of the division, we have Israel Adesanya, obviously, who has a title fight coming up November 12th at UFC 281 against Alex Paheya. Izzy's 23-0 at middleweight. And if he wins that fight, he will have beaten the next six people in line in the division. Which is a, 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 a sign of dominance, but it also becomes difficult because then you're into sort of the same territory we've been in. We were in back when Demetrius Johnson was dominating flyweight where you get down to, or, or that Valentina Shevchenko is in now currently at flyweight where you get down to the fighter that is at number six or number seven or number eight in the rankings being the next best option, because I don't think we need to see any of these rematches yet. We don't need to see a third fight between Adesanya and Whitaker. The second fight happened earlier this year. We don't need to see a rematch between Cannoneer. He hasn't fought yet. He's got a fight coming up. Sean Strickland in December. Vittori's lost to him twice. Derek Brunson lost to him a while ago. He has a fight coming up. Paulo Costa's lost to him. And so you see the struggle. And so in mapping it out, in, in writing out sort of what the division may look like and bouncing the ideas off Harry because he is the person to bounce ideas off of now, I said, can, can Jack Hermanson get a title opportunity off victories over Chris Curtis and Derek Brunson. And I, I kind of think the answer is yes. I mean, it's not necessarily ideal. You would like to see him beat someone in the top five in the top, you know, further ahead of him in the mix than he's at, but one, some of those fighters are booked Two, it, it doesn't do us any good to put Jack Hermanson in there. Should he get a victory? in his fight coming up against Derek Brunson in, in December, on December 3rd, to then put him in there against Robert Whitaker. Because as I talked about back when Rob's fight was coming up, and as I've talked about time and again for different divisions, we don't need to put everybody through the Robert Whitaker gauntlet, through the Robert Whitaker meat grinder, through the Max Holloway meat grinder at featherweight, as we've seen. And so if, if you're Jack Hermanson, the aim and the, and the goal needs to be to go out and, and make a statement against Derek Brunson. Cause it could mean if Israel Adesanya ret re retains, excuse me, his title on November 12th, that you're the next man up. You're just next in line. You are the Chris Carriasso, the Ray Borg of the middleweight division in 2022. Now, further looking at the division and sort of trying to further identify some of the problems, some of the challenges, some of what creates this situation. Part of it is that there just haven't been the young, exciting, emerging fighters to come through the division that we see in so many other weight classes, right? Lightweight seems to, every year there's one or two fighters that work their way into the top 15 and gain some momentum and work their way up. And at the same time, there's a couple of people working their way backwards that are sliding down the rankings and we get some turnover and we get some, the 
the splits and the chasms in terms of the level of talent and the level of, of competition isn't as great. So one to let's say 12, they can be a little more tightly packed and it, it doesn't take a lot. You can see sort of number nine beat number three or number four lose to number seven. And that creates some changeover that creates some turnover that creates some different opportunities where we haven't seen that at middleweight, right? Nobody can get through Rob Whitaker. And then beyond that, Jared Cannonier is a pretty damn good bronze medalist right now. And Marvin Vittori has been a pretty steady presence in that top five. And so it's just been a lot of moving one step ahead. And, and we see that even coming up for Nasruddin Imovov, who is one of the few young fighters that has had some success. He's on a three-fight winning streak, coming off a win in Paris over Joaquin Buckley. And his reward, I guess is to face Calvin Gastelum. And like, it's a, it's an interesting fight. It's a competitive fight. I think the world of Calvin Gastelum as a competitor, but when you're in a division where there are, is a dearth of fresh young talent, putting one of those athletes in there with Calvin Gastelum off two straight losses, off a lengthy layoff, having already lost to Israel Adesonia and Robert Whitaker and Jared Cannonier in his career feels like a mistake to me because if Kelvin Gastelum wins, you don't get anything from it. And if Nasruddin Imovov wins, it's still not enough necessarily to carry him into a championship opportunity. And so then it's still one, maybe two more fights that he's got to win which then doesn't do too much. And, and that fight would probably be one of those names I mentioned, right? Whitaker, Cannoneer, Vittori, Paulo Costa, perhaps. And then it's still just sameness. It's the same as Drikas Duplessis, who is undefeated in the UFC and on a five-fight winning streak overall, getting paired off with Darren Till, who himself, like Gastelum, is coming in on a two-fight losing streak, coming in off a lengthy layoff, they're set to fight December 10th. And as much as I understand the UFC always sort of being behind Darren Till and always looking to elevate and promote and give Darren Till opportunities, Darren Till has lost to some of these guys in this division already, right? He's already faced and lost to Robert Whitaker. And so if you can't beat the silver medalist, how are we going to necessarily elevate you to face the gold medalist. Now we've seen that happen, right? We've seen that happen in different divisions and it's a thing that they might, This that may be the way the UFC needs to go in this division. And I would argue it is the way the UFC needs to go in this division. You need to stop running everybody through Robert Whitaker. You need to adopt the same sort of approach that has been taken at flyweight with Valentina Shevchenko where not everybody has to get through Caitlin Chikagian, who is the silver medalist there. And it's just, you get two wins, you get three wins, in you go. We saw that with Tyler Santos. We saw it with Jen Maya before. Um, Alexa Grasso could be in that position if she goes out and beats Viviane Araujo in the next UFC main event in a couple of weeks' time, 12 days' time. And I think that's what the UFC needs to do here at middleweight. And so to me, that means an Izzy win in, in New York at Madison Square Garden coupled with a Jack Hermanson win on December 3rd means Joker gets a title shot. Just do it. It's, it's the only thing, honestly, that makes sense going forward because outside of Paulo Costa, 
he's the only fighter in the top 10 coming off a win. Excuse me. Andre Muniz is as well, but that's a win over Uriah Hall. That wasn't that impressive. And I think Andre Muniz becomes the guy that you pair off with Robert Whitaker because he's done so much because he's been so successful in the UFC. You give him that, that big step up, that big test. And it's a, it's a huge test. I would, I would love to advocate for Andre Muniz getting a title shot right now, but I think he's going to end up being the guy that's in the position where he's got to go through the Robert Whitaker meat grinder because the UFC doesn't necessarily seem as invested in Andre Muniz uh, nobody else is really rushing to call him out or to create that opportunity. And so he may end up being the dude that fights Rob Whitaker at some point. Now, one name that I haven't mentioned thus far that obviously is the elephant in the room, and that's Hamzat Chemayev. So he went out a couple of weeks ago and he beat Kevin Holland to remain undefeated for his career and undefeated in the UFC. And it seems like middleweight is probably where he's going next, right? He blew weight for what was going to be the Nathan Diaz fight. Everything gets reshuffled at UFC 279. And he gets into this fight with Kevin Holland and, and it is what it is. And so the question is, what do you do with Hamzat Chemaev if he's, if he's at middleweight? You could, in theory, just, just put him in there with Israel Adesanya should he retain his title. Now, I, I personally wouldn't, given all of what happened last time out. I think it's a little bit strange. It's a little bit rushed. It's a little bit too big of a reward for somebody that submarined your plans to just go out there and get a title fight right away. And so I think you stick him in there with Paulo Costa. And you just say, look, you got to go out there. You got to beat this guy. They had some beef at that event. They had some, or, or at some point, in the last little while, they've had some beef. You put that as the co-main event on a pay-per-view card or the third fight on a pay-per-view card or the main event of a fight night show. You build it up as if this guy wins, then he gets the next title shot and, and away you go. But there's even problems with that, right? Like Chamayev is one of these guys. He's got relationships with Darren Till as the Smash Brothers. There's been talk of Robert Whitaker and he said, nah, I don't want to fight him. I respect him. We're friends. We're brothers. I'd rather train with him than fight him, which, you know, is, is sound business. It's a good business decision. I wouldn't want to fight Robert Whitaker, but he's sort of the guy that, that can potentially change some of this, right? He can be that new young name, fresh name that hasn't fought any of these guys that you can put in there. But the key then beyond that, the key behind all of that, and this is, this is the most important part is bringing along the Imavovs, the Muniz, the Duplessis. Uh, Brendan Allen got a third straight win on Saturday. Bringing along a fighter like that. Bringing along a fighter like Kyle Bahayo, who has a fight at UFC 280 against Mahmoud Muradov. And if he wins that one, to pick up his third straight UFC win and extend his overall winning streak to 10. You've got to elevate him and give him some opportunities to move forward. Uh, Roman Delize has won two straight fights. If he beats Phil Hawes at the end of October, you've got to move him forward. It can't just be these little baby steps in this division because it's a division that, that doesn't have room for people to be taking baby steps. It doesn't have time 
for the UFC to just slow play all of these fighters. Abus Magomedov came out a couple weeks ago with a phenomenal debut. First round knockout, kicks Dustin Stoltzfus in the face. Looks like the genuine article. Three straight wins. I believe he's 32 years old. There's no need to slow play this. Get him in there with, you know, somebody in that Brad Tavares range. Now, Brad has a fight. BT has a fight coming up in January against Gregory Rodriguez, which I understand. But like, it needs to be someone like that. There, there doesn't need to be this like, well, let's wait and see and have him beat two or three fighters in the middle of this division before we get going forward. Because right now things are just so stale. We, we need, there needs to be this new blood. And it's, it's really the same idea that trickles down to Bo Nickel. Who obviously goes out last week, last Tuesday, gets his second win on the contender series, gets his third victory overall, makes it look easy, right? Lovely left hand to drop Donovan Beard, chases him to the ground, eventually ends up with a triangle choke finish. He's matched up in December against Jamie Pickett, which basically is a third straight contender series fight. Jamie Pickett has struggled in the UFC, came off the contender series, fought there three times. He's had as many fights on the contender series as he's had in the UFC. I think maybe he's had four fights in the UFC now. But it's pretty pretty assuredly going to be a win for Bo Nickel. There, there's just no need for this to be three, four, five fights to run Bo Nickel slowly up the rankings and get him these wins over, you know, Dolce Lungiambula or Josh Fremd or Bruno Silva at some point. And, and I'm just picking names that I have here on my list in front of me. Dennis Tiulian. Like there's no need for Bo Nickel at this point to be doing that. I'm not saying throw him right in there in the top five, but put him in there with in, in true test situations, put him in there in fights that are going to tell us and give us a better understanding of where his skills are at and where he fits in this division right now. So that if he is the absolute genuine article and ready to compete, with the top five fighters in the world and, and in the division, as he says he is, we get there now when we need a fighter of this, of this caliber, when we need this kind of energy and influx of excitement in this division. Don't, don't stretch this out so that it ends up being two years. Let him, let him beat Jamie Pickett. Fine. That fight is booked. It's set December 10th. UFC 282, Bo Nickel wins his UFC debut, calling it on October 3rd. After that, give him a step up. Give him somebody that might be able to test him in some of these areas. Give him Gerald Mearshart. GM3 is a, is a really great test, actually, in my opinion, for a guy like Bo Nickel, right? He's got 40, maybe 50 fights. Good submission fighter, good on the ground, able to catch you. Got some durability, got a little bit of pop in his hands, but isn't a isn't throwing him in there with Rob Whitaker, right? Isn't throwing him in there with Marvin Vittori. And so you just do it. And now I know I saw on Tuesday or maybe even Wednesday after Bo got that win, E. Casey Layden 
said, if, you, if you're somebody in the top three, top five of this division that's looking for a fight, I'd call out Bo Nickel. And he said, if you're Marvin Vittori, why don't you do it? I agree with Casey 100%. Casey's smart. Casey's a good dude. He understands this sport in, in a lot of ways. I agree 100%. If you're Marvin Vittori, I'd just say, look, Bo Nickel thinks he's this good. Come get some. Come and get it. Because look, if Bo Nickel beats you, then it's just, hey, this, this might be the best prospect that's come into the UFC since John Jones. It's, it's easy to just say, look, this is a three-time national champion wrestler, and he is, he is the real deal, capital R, capital D. I took my shot, and this kid's just better than me. And if you beat him, then you beat this guy that, oh, I thought he was, I thought he was supposed to come out and smash everybody, and you've got this great big win over a guy that had a ton of hype. But if I'm the UFC, I don't necessarily want to do that because I want to protect him a little bit. I want to just make sure I want to bring him along, but I don't want to, as I said, I don't want it to be five fights before we're getting into some real tests. I want the second fight in the UFC to be the test. And, and if he passes that one, then the third fight needs to be a, a bigger test, a better test, right? We saw it. I think of Chimaev really, who is somebody that has gotten this accelerated push and this, this rapid rise to an extent in the UFC, right? The first two fights, John Phillips, Reese McKee, blow through him. Great. Then it's GM three. Then it was going to be Leon Edwards, right? That was going to be the next one. You, you beat Gerald Mearshart. Now here's a top five fighter in the welterweight division. Away you go. That, that kind of feels like what I want to see for, Maybe not top three, top five, or a guy in Leon's position. I didn't like that fight at the time because I felt Leon had done enough. But And and that didn't end up happening, and it ended up being Li Jing Leong that he ended up fighting. And, and that sort of feels like the progression I want to see for Bo Nickel. If he goes out and smashes Jamie Pickett, which, as I said, I mean, happens, give him GM3, and if he wins that one, get him in there with somebody that's in that lower third of the rankings. Get him in there with... Darren Till, Kelvin Gastelum, Brad Tavares, Chris Curtis. One of these guys, Joaquin Buckley, if he beats Chris Curtis. Somebody in that, in that range so we can get a so that we can get a read on him. Get him in there with, with Sean Strickland. Win or lose against Jared Cannonier. At some point, we gotta know. And this division is is in such a state that we need to just be moving these people forward at a greater speed than we have lately, right? You look at someone like Andre Petrovsky or Mihao Olyshechuk. Petrovsky's got three straight wins in the UFC. He's looked very good. He choked out Nick Maximov last time out. And he's booked against Wellington Terman, which sure, it's it's an okay fight. It's It's not... You know, if you're watching the video, you can see me making these faces and scrunching up my shoulders because it's just like, what are we doing? It just feels like another half step. Why are we taking half steps? We don't have time for half steps. These athletes have such a short lifespan and such a short window of opportunity to be able to capitalize. And I agree that it's getting longer, like it's not Hey, everybody's got eight years. It's now stretched out to probably 12. And so if you're talking 25 through 37, 
to compete, but I don't want to see guys spend 27 through 30 or 31 in a whole bunch of fights if they're having success. Now, if there's losses in there and they got to take a step back, fine. But Andre Petrovsky's won his three UFC fights and he's taken little steps up already. So instead of just taking another half step and facing a guy like Wellington Turbin, why can't he face someone like Anthony Hernandez? Someone like Puna Soriano? Someone like, you know, the, re- the returning Edmund Shabazian? Now, Edmund's on three straight losses, so I get wanting to, to get him in there and get him a victory and, and see what's what and let him figure things out. But like, if he goes out, so if, if Petrosky goes out and beats Wellington Turbin, and makes it 4-0 in the UFC, and another victory for that John Marquez-Daniel Gracie team in Philly. Shout out to those guys. It can't be a half step. It's got to be a step up. It's got to be a full step forward. It's got to be up into that sort of Gregory Rodriguez, Chidi, and Jokowani range where that fight took place. It's got to be into the Kayo Bahayo, Mahmoud Muradov range. Or... You know, Roman Delize, Phil Hawes, the winner of that. It's got to be something like that. Because there's just not, there's just not time. This division is such a mess that we've got to get away from this fight the next guy in front of you mentality. And it's not just at middleweight. It is across multiple divisions. We talked about it all the way back in March that Arnold Allen calling out Calvin Cater sucked because it was going to be the fight that ended up happening. And here we are, right? We understood it from Arnold's perspective because that's what you see. And that seems to be what happens. And now that's what happened. And it sucks because he's won nine straight fights and he's got to fight the guy that's one spot ahead of him in the rankings, which means you go out and smash Calvin Cater or you go out and even just beat Calvin Cater because it's hard to smash Calvin Cater because Cal's tough as shit. But if you go out and push it to 10 straight wins, it still may not be a title fight. And that stuff has to stop happening. We have to stop having Derek Brunson come off a loss and face Jack Hermanson coming off a win and they're number six and or number five and number eight in the division or whatever they're at right now. It doesn't do us any good. It doesn't help anybody. There used to be a time, and, and this isn't to get all super nostalgic and long for the days of, of Joe Silva because you talk to enough fighters, they'll tell you some, some of the downsides of working with Joe Silva, but you didn't often have fighters coming off losses, fighter, fighting someone coming off a victory, especially not as we got into contention and close to the title picture because he understood and the goal was always to move someone forward. Whoever comes out of this moves forward and becomes a name that can compete, that can challenge against the few people in front of them. That's not the case with very many people at middleweight right now. And that has to change. And it has to change in this division. It has to change in every division because we can't just keep making the road to contention extremely long for these young fighters that are working their way forward and we can't continue to make it as difficult as humanly possible to where they're facing six, seven, eight fight winning streaks 
against tough, experienced competition in order to get close and maybe still not even get a championship opportunity. If you go out and win four, five, six fights consecutively in the UFC, that's got to be enough because it's hard. I know I say it all the time, but it's with good reason. If winning five consecutive fights in the UFC was easy, more people would be on five fight winning streaks. And so if winning five is difficult, imagine how hard it is to win seven, eight, nine, like Arnold Allen has, or more. We can't keep extending the road. We can't keep making the journey longer because we end up in situations like this where I have no idea who Robert Whitaker should fight. And I have no idea what to do with the winner of the Jared Cannonier Sean Strickland fight because they've fought everybody. Everybody, most everybody in the top 10 of this division has already fought each other because we've just done this cannibalizing thing where we're going through the same sets of matchups and everybody's got to face Rob and then everybody's got to face Cannoneer or Brunson or whoever it may be. It's time to find a way to refresh this. That might be Hamzat Chemaev if he can get one good win. That might be elevating somebody like Jack Hermanson a little bit sooner than you normally would or Andre Muniz a little bit quicker than maybe you would want to or off a victory that isn't as dynamic and important necessarily or meaningful significant is the word I'm looking for as you normally would as you would like to see as we all would like to see but we don't have that luxury right now middleweight we can't just keep asking everyone that's trying to get into the title picture, every hopeful to do more every time. We can't constantly say, I need you to win one more because then we end up in a situation where if Israel Adesanya wins this, wins this title fight on November 12th, I have no idea what's next for him. There's, there's no one right now that has a real strong case for a championship fight. And I don't think you should ever get to a point where a championship fight is on the horizon and you can't make a case. You can't look at who is next. That fight's a month away. That fight is five weeks away. And I have no clue when that fight is done, if he gets his hand raised, who will be next in line to fight him. That shouldn't happen. That shouldn't be a situation we're ever in. There should always be something in line, something in the pipe on on the same sort of trajectory in the same sort of realm or already established for that matter that we know that what's going to happen because it keeps interest. It gets you interested in, in the next thing coming. The UFC needs to get back to doing a better job of getting people invested in the people that are coming forward and giving those athletes opportunities to move forward, to shine, to ascend the rankings and the hierarchy quicker than they have been and without facing as many ridiculously hard challenges as many of them have had to at this point. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. We've got some stuff we're working on this week. I, I promise you, I talked about it a little bit on Sunday reached out to a couple people. We're trying to put together a couple interviews, try to do a couple things here on, on the AV network that are a little different. 
that expand things a little bit, that give you some different content, some different insights. Hopefully going to be able to put a couple of those together this week. If not, I'll just be back here ranting and raving about whatever crosses my mind or tackling whatever challenge Harry presents to me next. As always, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in, for subscribing, for supporting. You're all the best. And I hope you have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Yeah.